tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And it's so exciting. We're honing in now just a few weeks away from our 200th episode. And it's thanks to listeners like you who have made the podcast possible, but also great guests like the one we'll talk to today. We talk about how we come up with ideas, but also how we organize them. And of course, how we gain the confidence and make the connections to launch our work out into the world. And it's this kind of entrepreneurial spirit but also business mindset that we want to talk about today with our guest, Arie Scheinbein. Arie, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. It's going to be a great conversation. You know, Arie is considered a wealth architect. I love that term because the idea of building, you know, and designing and making a plan for wealth is so much different than I hope some money comes in. (laughs) I also hope. Hope well, helps too. But, yes, you know. but as the book says, hope <laughs> is not a strategy always. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but tell me about this mindset that entrepreneurs have to have in terms of both their leadership. You know, obviously they have an idea they're trying to build a business around, but they really have to have a wealth architect mind sometimes, huh? It's not even just like one category of an entrepreneur. Like when someone says, oh, I'm entrepreneurial or I am an entrepreneur. I think depending on who you're talking to, that sounds totally different, or it means something totally different, right? Like if you, if you could think about like global consulting firms that are a little bit like they may be massive, but they're nimble. They'll tell you, oh, we're entrepreneurial. What does that mean? Oh, that means that it's like, you know, we pay you based on how much you bring in, or we don't have like this corporate stuffy structure, but everybody's, you know, scrappy and has to do all these things. If you say that to the online entrepreneur or the small business owner, it means like, hey, I don't want to work for someone. Or it may mean that I have this solution. I want to change the world. So saying entrepreneurs, you know, in general, it, it means so many different things because I, I remember like when I was in college, if you said to someone, oh, I, I want to be an entrepreneur, that was not like a thing. That, that mm-hmm. was someone be like, so you want to work for yourself? You want to build a business? You know, and it wasn't even like super common. Now, like you ask a kid, do you want to be an entrepreneur? They'll almost all of them will at least know what that is or have a, you know, at least half of them will at least know what it is. It's kind of in that list of, you know, influencer, content creator, podcaster, right? Yeah. Like all these things but that didn't exist. It's move beyond the image of, I just want to open a store and right. like you say, be my own boss, so to speak. Right. Well, listeners, REA knows what he's talking about from the standpoint of both ends of these financial spectrums. You know, the largest venture capitalists and head funds and banks he's, he's worked with, but also these e-commerce startups and entrepreneurs we were just talking about. And I guess, uh, REA, you, you talk about making good, smart, you know, profitable decisions. And certainly I want to come back to profit for a second. But <laughs> first, the decisions. And I I have been the entrepreneur business owner stuck on, do I go left or do I go right? You know, do I build, do I hold, do I hire, do I fire? You know, we come to these crossroads as business people. How how do we think about just the decision-making process? Yeah, so I I think it's a a great topic to talk through. Um, so I think when, when people come to me and they're like, Hey, I don't know what to do this, that, right. Like you, like you were saying, you're at this fork in the road. Do I make this decision or that decision? I always start with 
understanding ultimately where they're trying to get to, right? Because understanding the destination, now granted, you know, you'll hear phrases like, oh, it's the journey, not the destination. Uh, totally agree with that. But at the end of the day, you have to have a destination that can change. The roadmap can change later and, and the place you want to get to may, may alter. But if you don't have that some sort of destination on the map today, making decisions is going to be significantly harder because you don't really know where you're trying to go, right? Like if, if I said to you, hey, let's get in the car and you're like, okay, first question, where do we want to go, right? So when we start that business, even if it's, hey, I want to solve this problem, you know, is it a consumer problem? Is it a corporate problem? Is it a day in and day out problem? Is it a, an annual problem? Like what, what are you trying to solve? And then you can kind of reverse engineer. So everything I always think starts with the beginning at, at the end. So if you don't know where the end is, oh, sorry, the, the end has to start in the beginning, meaning you have to kind of know what that is, whether it's that destination or that problem. And then typically you can kind of reverse engineer, right? Someone says, hey, I want sales to be $10 million. Well, there's probably two follow-on good questions. Why, right? Like, is it like you want the money or is there some kind of number that you're associating with something else? Because sometimes like 10 million is just arbitrary, right? It's this number that people just kind of made up. And, and then number two is like, okay, if that is the destination, then we can reverse engineer how we're going to get there. Well, what does it take on a daily basis? What do you have to be doing on a monthly basis? Like, what do you have to hit? Like, where are these milestones to hit? And so when you hit these decisions, you can then zoom out for a second and say, okay, where were we trying to get to originally? Oh, we were trying to get here. Well, if I go down this path, is it going to lead me there? Or is it going to lead me totally somewhere else? And then ultimately, am I okay with ending up somewhere else? And ultimately my destination now has changed. Or if I'm actually still trying to get to the same destination, which hopefully is the case, then you're like, no, I shouldn't make decision A. Decision B is going to lead me down that path. Mm -hmm. the, the turn by turn directions become a little more obvious, don't they? Yeah, yes. a little bit. <laughs> and, and it's funny you say that about the destination because you're right. It, if you just say, I don't want to work for somebody else, that's like getting in the car and saying, well, I know I don't want to go to Houston. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> where do we want to be, you know? Right. So, and so that's interesting you say this because then, the, you know, when we say we want to make smart, profitable decisions, I think about some of the, you know, sort of bumper stickers that business people face. You know, cash is king. Uh, you got to spend money to make money, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, where do these sort of entrenched business biases come from? And then what, what do we need to think about when we do come to these decision crossroads? Well, so I think some of these bumper stickers and, and um, biases come from someone trying to sell you something. Like, it's, it's a marketing message a lot of the times. And I'm not saying like what they're saying is wrong, but that's where I think a lot of these things get ingrained. Um, it, it was interesting. Like if somebody says you can use other people's money, well, then they're probably trying to loan you money. <laughs> Using some sort of mechanism for leverage. Yes. yes you yes, know, and, and again, I'm, I'm not knocking it, but that's the, the whole thing, right? Right. Where, you know, if you talk to someone who is in the insurance business, insurance solves everything. Right? All your problems are solvable like that. So I think some of these things are, are a function of like who's trying to angle you in which way to sell you something. I think some of them have like deeply rooted like truths to them, but it, it's even like, I, I find that like right now in today's age, information is never really, there's no shortage of information, right? Like you, what, what we can learn in one year probably would have taken someone 10 or 20 years sometimes to learn, you know, decades ago. Um, and we consume so much more content. 
the funny thing though, that I, I even tell my kids this, and even I know I've said this to my wife is just because it's on the internet, it doesn't make it true. And like, I know I <laughs> oh, sound stop. like this. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and like, sometimes I sound like this, you know, grumpy old person, but the reality is, is like I, a good example is I, I had heard Albert Einstein be quoted a number of times saying, you know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And so I'm like, yeah, did he really say that? And so I just did a little research on it. It turns out that's not what he said. That's not, he, he never claimed that. <laughs> he did say, you know, those who, um, who don't learn it will probably pay it. And he didn't, that wasn't his exact phrasing, but that was the concept, right? Like if you don't understand how compound interest works, you'll probably be one of those people who end up paying it. Um, but it just got dubbed as something he says. And like, it's a little bit of a, like a myth buster. No, he didn't, he didn't actually say that. And it, it's funny because like, I read a, a Adam Grant is an, is an author who I like, I love his stuff. He, he writes a lot of, he has a number of really good books, but his most recent book is called Think Again. And he tells a story. He actually gives this example of, I don't know what you want to call it, an example that people use all the time that says, you know, put a frog in a pot of water and slowly turn up the temperature and you know the, the frog will will die and he actually says he researched that and it's so not true like the whole thing is not true and that. and he taught he breaks it down in in terms of like if you put it in you know at a, at a boiling hot water what would happen and if you turn it up what happens and the frog ultimately will jump out like it doesn't do but it's like such a, a staple comment right like you know you don't notice the little changes so the frog will get you know boiled or whatever <laughs> eh, not true you know so it's like <laughs> well what what am i going to do with all those uh, videos that say this <laughs> <laughs> no it's so interesting because there there are these what we think are tried and true principles and i guess that's why they call them principles but they do <laughs> deserve a little myth busting sometimes huh Sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's like some of these things, when I read that in the book, I was like, oh, I, I almost felt like, like not devastated, but I was like, oh my God, I like, I always, I've talked about this. I believed it, you know, and, you know, rethinking is sometimes your beliefs are, you know, have to have to get rechecked sometimes. Yeah. I love that. That's why I like some of Malcolm Gladwell's work and David and Goliath, for example, you know, and it's like, yep. it's, it's not the story you think it is. So why don't we, I, I love the title of that book. Think again. Well, you know, Aria, the, the title of our podcast, Unlocking the World of Creativity, I want to maybe underscore this world for a bit. And you've had not only the chance to work with a lot of global companies, but you also consult with and are connected with a lot of global entrepreneurs. And I'm just curious if you've seen any similarities or differences, maybe you can compare and contrast a little bit. Does the culture of where the entrepreneur either was raised or is starting the business affect some of those uh, application of principles or some of those maybe decision drivers? Yeah, so I, I definitely think that, that it does. So I'll, I'll give a few examples of different things I've noticed. So, you know, one of the things is inside the United States, right? Like culturally, we are a certain way. But even within the United States, right? Like certain states or regions in the country may behave different ways as well in, in terms of like what your upbringing was and, and what your beliefs are and politically how you align or think about government or things of that nature, right? Like all front and center in the news in the last two years. But on top of that, like one of the examples is when I've, I've met with different tech companies in, in Israel or I've met with investors who, who are based out of Israel or, you know, advisors, 
for the most part, right, culturally, we have our high schools, people are done with high school here at 17, 18. And then some people go to college, some people don't go to college, they, you know, whatever they may do. But after that point, you're kind of an adult and, and you're going to make your own decisions. Whereas in Israel, at 18, typically 17, 18, when you graduate at that point, most of the time you go, you join the army and you're in there for about three years. And then you start your college if you want it or your business or whatever it may be, right? So from a, a maturation standpoint, those entrepreneurs, a lot of times are when they're starting out, they're a little bit older. They've gone through a situation where they're, they believe like, hey, we're defending our country. We, we've taken serious steps here in the sense of like, it's not like, you know, they're sitting around doing nothing all the time. Like, I'm not saying they're at the front lines every day, but at the same time, like they've gone through this process. And so they're a little bit more mature about things versus someone who just graduates high school, or even if they just went through college, right? Because they may start their college experience then at, at 21 versus coming out of college at 21. Makes sense. And so, so there's like a little bit of a different viewpoint on just, hey, how mature am I? What have I gone through in my life? How old am I? What do I want to accomplish? And in other countries, I also find like, depending on where they're coming from, there may be a little bit more scrappiness to them. It's kind of like, you know, I think a lot of times when people talk about children of immigrants inside the United States, it's a similar kind of thing. When you look outside the United States, depending on how developed the country is, where, they, where they're coming from, you see just a, a, like a difference in, again, their belief system, their, their you know, scrappiness of whether they want funding or not, I'm not even talking about the money side. I'm just talking about the the will and the drive. Now, granted, right. some of just this the whatever it takes attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now you can anybody can can do that, right? Like the mind is a conditionable thing, but just what the natural instinct is comparatively, there's differences. It and it's not always like stark night and day, but there. But at a, if you were if we were taking the averages, right? If we were taking a generality, so. Um, you, you would see some differences. But I also think like if you look at entrepreneurs inside the United States, like I said, depending on where you're raised, where you go, but if you look at the Silicon Valley you know, entrepreneur versus let's say the online entrepreneur who's not looking to build the next Apple, there's a difference, right? They, they just have a different mindset of like how big they want something to be. And it doesn't make it right or wrong. And that kind of goes back to like, what's your, your end destination of like, what are you really trying to accomplish? Like, is it about mission? Is it about money? Is it about a movement that's way bigger than something else? Who, who knows? But that I think a lot of times can come from upbringing or beliefs, regardless of country, but just where, where you're from. Mm-hmm. Good insight. Well, I think that raises the question then. And uh, before we close, uh, my guest is Arya Scheinbein. Arya, uh, where can people find you and connect with you and learn more about what you're working on? Sure. So um, I think the, the two plat like the platform I'm most active on is Instagram. So my name there is Arya the businessman is the handle. Uh, I recently started trying to get more active on Twitter. So Arya Scheinbein there. Um, and then like my two sites, real quick, are solutionadvisory.com or futurefundme.com. Perfect. And he's got a great podcast called Inside the Lion's Den, and uh, it'd be a fun listen for you too. Well, Ari, I guess what I was thinking about was a lot of our listeners might be creative practitioners that, as you say, they're not trying to build the next, you know, and scale up to be the next uh, tech startup uh, or, you know, unicorn, but rather, you know, they might be a small studio or any, even an individual practitioner. Mm-hmm. How, do, how would you advise us 
in developing this kind of wealth architect mindset, just a, a business mindset of how to spend money, how to make decisions that will be profitable. And also quite frankly, looking over the horizon to make sure that we're, you know, making a good future oriented decisions. Yeah. So I think I, depending like giving, I'm, I'm going to try and give it as, as broadly to capture as many people as possible. Right. Because we have so many nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that people don't necessarily think about, and I've seen this in the e-commerce space, I've seen this in the single studio type of people is what is my time worth? Mm-hmm. How much am I really making if I do activity X versus activity Y? And I'm not saying, oh, go outsource this and outsource that. But functionally, like depending on what you're doing, if you are making $250 an hour, if you're making $1,000 an hour, if you're making $10 an hour, right? Understand like what that activity can be replaced at what cost, right? So I think of a good example is when, when people were doing, you know, selling online. So you have physical product goods. If you are taping up boxes to ship out, right? Whether it's packing it to your customer or sending it off to the, the 3PL, what, you know, for the warehouse to kind of do the, the delivery for you. If you can replace that with someone else who there's not, you know, you have a simple system, standard operating procedure that you can hand them and say, here, this is what you have to do. Do step one, step two, step three, step four. And they can repeat that. And let's say it's going to cost you in today's market, I don't know, $20 an hour. The belief and, and should be that you should be able to do something else that is going to generate more than $20 an hour in that time that you just offloaded to handing that to that person, right? At the same time, like you always wanna at least have some semblance of an idea of the skill you're handing off. So in this case, right, you were doing this and you realized this is not a good task for you. So you, so you kind of out, outsource it in quotes, right? You hire someone to do that for you. Whereas like one of the things I see a lot of people online is like they naturally wanna outsource anything they know nothing about. <laughs> right. So like, oh, I don't know how to build this website. I don't know how to run Facebook ads. I don't know how to fill in the blank. Right. And sometimes there's a necessary evil to outsource, but at the same time, sometimes it's actually important for you to learn the skill and learn, okay, if I'm going to have to manage someone to do this, I have to be at least knowledgeable enough to know and not be take whatever that person says at, you know, at face value. And so I think that that last statement is super important with everything. And that is you want to be able to control something or at least have enough knowledge that you can see you're, you're not only relying always on the expert, right? And so this is what, like I tell a lot of people with their finances, that it's very important to, you know, if you want to have a financial planner or advisor or all these things, that's okay. But if you actually go into that meeting and you know nothing, whatever they tell you is ultimately, you're not going to have any control over because you're going to be like, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Cause you, you've decided I've outsourced my brain. Like, I don't want to have to think about that component. Right. And sometimes that's good, but a lot of times it can be a little bit dangerous where you don't know enough to ask good questions or get insights. And so it's the same with roles in your business and, and different things like that. So I think about that both on the personal side, as well as on the business side. Well, you also kind of encourage and consult with people to keep this, what we all like to have life balance. So outside of work, REA, what do you enjoy doing? Yeah. So like I have four kids. So over the years, I've, I've coached a lot of sports teams for my kids, baseball, little league, uh, flag football, 
basketball. And, you know, so now my kids like, now I go, cause uh, my boys are in high school. So I go to their games. I'm not their coach now. So they're, they're playing. So I get to enjoy watching them. I, I play some sports um, to this day. And, and, you know, my wife and I, like we're pretty big exercise people. So, you know, more or less, it's just staying active, I guess. Well, a lot of good advice there. Appreciate it. Well, folks, my guest has been Aria Scheinbein. It's been great talking to you, Aria. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. It's been a real thrill to be here. And hopefully enough people got good enough value that, uh, you know, they'll keep listening to your podcast because you bring on such wonderful guests. Well, I appreciate that. And folks, again, on uh, Instagram, it's Aria the businessman. So it's A-R-Y-E-H, the businessman. And definitely, uh, as REA suggested here, we've gotten so much insight on how to make decisions, how to make profitable decisions, but also you know, just how to have a mindset of an entrepreneur that's trying to build a business. And you know, it, whether it is to make $10 million or to get 10 million customers, uh, we're all talking about how to make impact with our creativity, and we can measure that in a lot of different ways. So come back again for our next episode. As I mentioned, we're nearing our 200th episode. So if you have a friend that hasn't signed on to the podcast yet, be sure to recommend us. Uh, We'll be talking about how to create ideas and organize ideas. And most of all, how to gain the confidence and the connections to launch your work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stinson, and we're unlocking your world of creativity. We'll see you soon. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliQ Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and thepeaceroom.love. We've created a special offer just for listeners of the podcast. You can get the book, A World of Creativity, for a special price of $5.98 for paperback. And the Kindle version is only 99 cents. Go to mark-stinson.com to take advantage of this special offer.